0: Good morning, Rogers Park. It is good uh, to be with you. It's good to be back with you. Uh, If we haven't met, my name is Phil Adams, one of the pastors here, mainly overseeing uh, West Rogers Park and the work there. Uh, We were back in Ireland for a few weeks seeing our family, Um, but it's good uh, to be home here um, with you all. Hopefully, my accent got a top up Uh, there. People thought I sounded like an American, (sighs) so I'm stuck halfway between the Atlantic. (laughs) it's global sunday as as you can tell a day we remind ourselves um, of god's heart for the world i have the privilege of bringing god's word to you so if you have a bible uh, there with you please turn to psalm chapter 67 psalm chapter 67 and i'll read that in a moment once you find it psalm chapter 67 you can keep your finger in it First, I'm going to talk to you a little bit. Um, But astronauts, I feel like that's appropriate. Astronauts, (laughs) we we got to laugh down the front. (laughs) Astronauts um, have a name for what happens when they they travel up into space and then they turn around um, and look out their back window and they see this. It's already there. Perfect. There's a a, a name for the kind of cognitive shift that happens in their minds when the astronauts see see Earth from outer space when they look back out their back window and they look down at it. And it's called the overview effect. Viewing the, the whole the the whole blue planet from orbit causes them to reevaluate life on Earth. It causes them to to evaluate the beginning and the ending of national boundaries which they can't see anymore. It causes them to, to evaluate how much disunity between us all can there really be or should there be. And the overview effect makes them wish for something. It makes them wish differently, dream differently. It makes them grow in fresh desires, not just for their family or for their country or for for their race. It makes them dream fresh dreams for everyone. The overview effect creates a solidarity within humanity that breeds compassion for places that they've never been because now they realize looking down out the back window, it's all their home. It makes them wish for others what's important. It makes them wish for others in places that they've never been what could be and what should be. Let's read Psalm 67. It reads like this. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us that your way may be known on earth. Your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity and you guide the nations upon earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God, let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded, it's increased, God, our God shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. Let's pray. God, we gather this morning as your people, God, as your children. God, we thank you for the church. God, we thank you that we can wake up this morning, God, and we can gather and be reminded, God, who we are, God, as a community, that we can be reminded, God, of the story we're living, God, that we can turn away from what we're told at work, that we can turn away, God, that what we're told on TV is important, God, and we can come here and we look at your word, God, and be reminded by each other that your word is truth, that your word is true, that that's what's important, what you say over us is what is true and what's important and what we should set our lives on. So remind us this morning of what's important. Remind us why we're here, what this is all about. Remind us, God, the story we're in on this planet. Speak to us today, God, mold our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. It wasn't until the late 1940s that the photo like the one that you see, that photos um, of Earth from space were taken and then widely seen from by people, not until 1940. So for most of human history, nobody really knew what we all looked like from up there. We knew what we looked like looking at each other and looking out over the horizon, but we didn't know what we looked like from up there. We didn't know the bird's eye view of it all. There's been no stark image to stop people in their tracks and make them ponder our togetherness, our unity, our singular story. There's no photo that communicated that. But there has been a book to ponder that speaks about our world being one. And even before this book or while this book was being compiled, there was people to ponder. A people who believed and lived like they had experienced that overview of facts, like they had gone up to space and they had seen that it's all one. Because there's always been a people who believed or knew Genesis chapter 1. Even before it was written down, there was a people that knew what it said. It says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. God said, let there be light and there was light. God said that the waters be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear. And God said, let the earth spread vegetation and let plants yield seed, fruit trees, bear fruit. Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day and the night, a greater light to rule the day and a lesser light to rule the night and the stars. God said that the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures. Let the birds fly above the earth. Let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image after our likeness so god created man in his own image in the image of god he created him male and female he created them genesis chapter one was written three and a half thousand years ago but it paints a picture of a photo that wouldn't be taken until 1940 Genesis 1 paints a picture of our singular planet united in purpose, one story, one history, one mankind. And the overview effect that we get from Genesis chapter 1 is the same overview effect that we get from the photo on the screen behind me that America flows into Mexico. No nation is at our center. White skin flows into brown skin, brown skin flows into black skin. The Atlantic Ocean meets the Pacific Ocean, which meets the Sea of China. There is one ocean. There is one land. There is one mankind. There is one earth. There is one story. There is one reality. No matter which way we spin it, we are all in it, on it, living it, together. From Israel to Iran, Pakistan to China, from Korea to Japan, Russia to Canada, America to Mexico, South America to South Africa, Liberia to Morocco, Spain to France, Italy to Cyprus, Turkey to Syria. One ocean, one land, one mankind, one story, one reality. Spoken into creation by one God. And so just as a cognitive... shift happens in the minds of the astronauts when they see earth from outer space, their new perspective, it makes them grow in new desires, not only for their family or their country or their race, it makes them dream new dreams for everyone. A solidarity is created from our oneness that breeds compassion for places that they've never been because they see it's all our home. So too, we as the church hold in our hands the overview. The story that gives value to every human life. Better than any photograph or any trip into space, we hold the whole story in our hands. The story that reveals every human life is lost in their sin, in rebellion against God, objects of God's wrath, and the only hope is Jesus for everyone. Which should lead us to grow in desires not just for our family not just for our country or our race it should make us dream new dreams for everyone in fact our knowledge lays on us a responsibility to dream dreams for everyone dreams of salvation dreams of repentance and forgiveness the universal truths that we read and celebrate over here every week in our lives should create solidarity in us that breeds compassion for those in places right now that we've never been because we the church know that there's just one gospel so it matters if you know it it matters if you've access to hearing it so what should we dream for what should we wish for What should stir within us as we travel, as we head to Cancun or Calais? What should stir within us as we watch the news from around the world, Syria, Sri Lanka, Russia? What should stir within us as we drive down Devon Avenue? How should the overview effect of Genesis chapter 1 of one God and his creation cause us to dream? Psalm 67, which we read earlier, is a model for us to follow because it's a wish. Psalm 57, it's a wish, it's a prayer, it's a plea, it's a dream. The psalm that we read, it, it centers or hinges itself around verses 3 and, and verses 5. Verses 3 says, let the peoples praise you. Let, oh God, let all the peoples praise you. Verse 5 says the exact same thing, that the peoples praise you. Oh God, let all the peoples praise you. But sandwiched in between these two verses is verse 4, the centerpiece of the entire psalm. Where verse 4 says, let the nations be glad and sing for joy. Together these verses give us a foundational understanding of what humanity in right relationship with God looks like. And therefore they give us a foundational understanding of what human flourishing looks like. And it looks like worship of the one true God that produces in humanity joy. Four times we read, let the peoples praise you, let all the peoples praise you, let the peoples praise you, let all the peoples praise you. you." And then it says, let the nations be glad and sing for what all the praise will produce, joy. The simplest seed that I can plant today within you that might cause your heart to blossom into your heart on fire for global mission is compassion for places that you've never been or for people that you've never met because we realize it's all our home they are all our people. Uh, we want for them joy and we want for God worship and their joy can be only found in worship of Him. A Hartford global missions is the grand ex- grandest expression we can have of loving God with all our hearts, minds, and strength by desiring for Him all the worship in the world. And at the same time, global mission is the grandest expression of loving our neighbors as ourselves by desiring for our fellow humanity the joy that we are all striving for that only can be found in worship of the one true God. We were made to be lost in worship. We are breaking down with anxiety and pressure because we are consumed with ourselves. And it's crippling us. When we were made to be consumed with God. Joy is being lost in worship of him. It's to be lost in his grace. It's to be lost in his love. It's to be lost in gratitude. Joy and worship. Worship and joy. That's the dream. That's the wish of Psalm 67 to see God receiving everything that He deserves, to see God acknowledged for everything that He is, and to see humanity finding joy in Him, a joy we can't find anywhere else. So it matters if you know about it, it matters if you can hear about it. What should stir within us as we travel? What should stir within us as we watch the news from around the world? What should stir within us as we drive down Devon Avenue? We should think about global warming. We should think about the global economy. We should think about global terrorism. We should think about great travel destinations and road trips. But global worship of the one true God and consequently global joy is the dream. That's the plea. That's the wish. That's the prayer of Psalm 67. Global worship of the true God and consequently global joy. And I know I know that's like, come on Phil. <laughs> that sounds like a pipe dream. We don't really know who wrote Psalm 67. Maybe he was an idealist, maybe he was just overly positive. Maybe he was a natural-born dreamer. Maybe that's true, but it's also true and it's more importantly true that his prayer, that his dream, that his wish was grounded on the promises of God. He isn't praying for anything that God hadn't already promised. This prayer wasn't plucked out of thin air. It's a prayer inspired by God's promise to use Israel to be a blessing to the ends of the earth. Whoever wrote this prayer, they knew their place in history. He knew Israel's role in history. God, you said you would use us so the nations would know you, so let them melee. Let me see it happening. I'm trusting in what you said. I'm trusting in your promise. His prayer was earnest. His desire was rooted in the promises of God that God would gather for himself a people from every tribe, tongue, and nation. And today, it's happening. When I was back in Ireland, I preached in the church that I grew up in as a child. It sits on top of a hill beside a village. It's been there a very long time. Beside the church, there's a stone tower. It's a thousand years old that monks used to climb to watch Vikings come in on the boats. But every week in Ireland, on that hill, in that church, what's preached is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I think that would make our psalmist smile. Some years ago, Missionaries went to India, and somewhere along the way, a family gave their lives to Christ, and a lineage of Indian pastors were born. And there's a network of churches in Vizag overseen by Shine's father, and Shine is over here preaching the gospel on another continent. I think that would have made our psalmist smile. I read this in an article this week. As of 1979, there were 500 known Christians from a Muslim background in Iran. In 2005, it was estimated that there were 40,000 ethnic Iranian Christians. That number grew to about 175,000 Christians in 2010. Today, the average estimates of Christians within Iran range from 300,000 to upwards of 1 million. According to some mission experts, Operation World, a mission research organization, continues to list Iran as having the fastest-growing evangelical church in the world. In fact, more Iranians have come to know Christ in the last 20 years than in the previous 1,300 years since Islam came to Iran. I think that would make our psalmist smile. It is a beautiful thing to point out on Global Sunday that America sends out the most missionaries around the world, but most missionaries around the world are not American. I think that would make our psalmist smile. Rogers Park, prayers calling on and calling for the fulfillment of the promises of God are not pipe dreams. The promises of God are the safest place for our dreams. The promises of God are the safest place we can put our hopes because all his promises come true. God is redeeming for himself a people from every tribe, every tongue, every nation. It's just a matter of our dreams being aligned with his so just as the psalmist knew his place in history, we need to know ours. Psalm 67, verses 1 and 2, they read like this: May God be gracious to us and bless us. May God make his face to shine upon us, so that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. What the psalmist is saying here fits with how Israel were to relate to the nations. Israel was to be a beacon. It was to be a light that shone outwards, drawing people back in. Israel's obedience to God and their consequence material blessing was to attract people. It was to kind of raise people's eyebrows and say, what's going on over there? And cause a wonder and an intrigue, ultimately not to them but to their God, the one true God. So when the psalmist is saying, God, be gracious to us and bless us so that your ways may be known, he's saying, may you cause us to prosper so that we will attract attract interest from surrounding nations to you, the giver of all that we have. He knew his place in history. He knew the prayers to pray. Israel were materially blessed to be a blessing, and broadly speaking, Israel were to remain static centered around their temple, the dwelling place of God, and the nations were to come to them to be drawn to them. You could say that that was Israel's missionary model for the nations to be attracted. But in the New Testament, that is no longer the missionary model of the church. Yes, there are aspects of who we are that most definitely should attract onlookers, onlookers to hear who we are and what we're about. But the missionary model is go. The missionary model is movement. The New Testament is made up of 27 books. 21 are not books, they're ladders. Why? Why was communication written on the move? Why was the New Testament written with the help of the postal service? Why wasn't the New Testament written from a, from a nice big monastery, safe? where all the books could be kept safe. One big book written in one place. The New Testament is a collection of letters sent back and forth dangerously across the first century world. Why? Letters had to be sent because when Jesus said, go, they went. Missions isn't peripheral to the people of God. Mission is embedded within the very medium through which God speaks to his people letters had to be sent because when jesus said go they went they crossed streets they crossed cultures they crossed political lines they kept moving expanding starting new works declaring jesus as lord over new locations and places out to neighbors out to the left out out to different subcultures and unforgettably and ultimately out to those in our world who have no meaningful opportunity to hear of jesus even if they wake up today wanting one We, the church, are to be a network of extenders, a network of expanders. The church is to be a people with our eyes always on the horizon. The temple of God in the Old Testament was static. Now we are the temple of God, and we've got feet, we've got legs. God dwells by his spirit in his people. So with millions of people in many places around the world today who have no access to the gospel, we go, and we go with the power of the spirit to the nations with the gospel. I'm preaching this morning. In my preaching this morning, I have not really sought to give very much more knowledge to you, just to stir your imaginations. Have we localized our faith and missed that our faith has global implications? Because we preach global truth. Maybe we need to be reminded of the overview effect that there is one ocean, one land, one mankind, one earth, one story, one reality, one God, and one hope, and one gospel. But even if we go up into space and we radically change our view of the world, and Psalm 67 becomes the song of our hearts the dream of our hearts, and we sing for the nations, the nations, the nations, the nations, that the nations would sing for joy. We still have to land the plane or the spaceship. We as a church have to land the plane. You have to land your plane after singing the songs. So what's your next step? What's our next step? Here's a few ideas. Amy Greenlee from our network is leaving for East Asia literally in a few days. Could you start getting her updates? Could you start praying for her? Could you be informed of what's going on in her life? Could you reach out to her and remind her that she's not going alone? Matt and Emily in China, Justin and Anna in North Africa, Emily will be at the global table after the service. She'll be there, she'll have a pen, she'll have some paper to help you sign up to get people's prayer letters so that you can know what's happening with our partners around the world. Maybe your next vacation is going to be a cross-cultural trip so you can start expanding your understanding of what God is doing in another country. Maybe you need to stop putting that off Maybe you need to lean in a little bit more next time someone says they are raising support to become a global partner. Maybe the next invite around to your house for dinner is going to be some of the people at our location who are from around the world, so you can learn about the state of the church in India, or Iran, or Albania, or Pakistan, or the Philippines, or Mexico, or Ireland. We have people who can tell us about all of those countries sitting right in our seats. That's a gift. Maybe you want to grab a coffee with Shine or Ruth or I and talk about West RP. Maybe your next step is to speak to someone. The big step. To come up to the front to speak to the deacons or the elders and say, out loud, I think God is telling me to go. For some people here, that's you. For all of us, to sing Psalm 67, it means something. It means something where you're going to have to land the plane. So, what's your next step? Let's pray. God, we thank you that you invite us in to play a part in your mission. God, we thank you that you give us roles to play. God, that you indwell us with your spirit, that we are your temple, God, so that we, where we go, you come with us and you empower us. God, may we be a people that see this world and see the true story of reality. May we see, God, that we hold in our hands the only hope that we see in our hands the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we see people around the world, God, who don't know, that have no access to knowing. God, would you break our hearts? God, would you give us ways, tangible ways to get involved and get engaged? God, may we as a church do a better job, God. May we as individuals do a better job, God. God, may your name be known. May the nation's praise you. Let all the nations praise you. Let all the nations sing for joy. In Jesus' name.